Hi, this is Pastor Frank at First Discipleship. I just want to welcome you to this podcast video. One of the things I want to start off with is being able to explain um, the last uh, five podcasts that I've made. And for those who are listening and those who are paying attention to what I do, uh, this um, outreach that I'm doing to Native Americans, I've been wanting to do this for a while only because that I know down deep inside that I've been called to outreach to uh, not only just um, my own family and my own relatives and people just in my area, but I know that a lot of Native Americans feel the same way and um, deal with their issues of pain, um, injustice, towards uh, the church and even towards people. This is something that I think ails our people as, as a whole. Uh, not, not all tribes feel this way because there are tribes uh, in the United States that have done very well during this persecution and have fared very well after it and are flourishing now. So I know that for them, this doesn't apply, but I would say for what I'm outreaching to is California. And learning the history of California has been, up to this point, a very sad and a discouraging um, study for me. This is something that I um, I know that I had to face sooner or later and be able to deal with this. I think I'm ready at this point in my life and in my walk in Christ because of the level of forgiveness that it's going to uh, take for my heart to be able to get to this place, to be able to talk about this to other people. And I have not yet heard anybody from California who is Native take apart the situations that we have uh, in history and deal with them. Healing needs to take place. There is really no other way to heal without talking, without having discourse or dialogue. It is important to be able to ask questions correctly so you get correct answers. Now, a lot of the questions um, that are asked are about pain, suffering, and injustice. Those are issues that I think that we we cannot change the outcome and what has happened, and but we can learn from it from not ever letting it happen again. The other part to it is the healing part. Just as um, any kind of wound, it takes time to heal. Now, if it's not taken care of, that it leaves a really nasty scar. Now, and or and you can't reopen that. You could probably, you know, deal with it some way. But never talking about it, about the things that had happened in California. We're never going to get anywhere. And, and and is the reason why I believe that some tribes are still underdeveloped. Now, I have issues with a lot of things, which I'll explain myself later in these podcasts, when we get there organically, 
through history. But I want to be able to make a statement. I'm not in any way, shape, or form becoming some kind of Native American activist as a Christian. I'm dealing with these issues as a Christian man. And the solution will always be Jesus Christ. Now, I know that when Native Americans hear that, it is so cliche. And what they don't want to hear is what has been told to them over the years of, you know, their their generations after generation, they hear the same thing over and over. What I am doing, okay, and I'm not saying I'm not doing that because I am going to do that, but I'm going to do it in a way where the Native American voice is heard. And that's important because in order to just jump from the time of uh, pre-Columbian and pre-Spanish occupation in California, you have to be able to deal with uh, the way of living that it was and then look at the way of living is now. It's either progress or regress. And the progress of things also deal with spirituality. Now, some choose to forgive. Some choose to continue in hatred. Some choose to forget about it, to bury their head in the sand and never act like it never happened. And then some say, you know, get over it. I've heard all of that. And um, I'm not a, a proponent of any of those things. I'm a proponent of, I am a somebody who wants to talk about it. I'm somebody who wants to dialogue. I'm someone who wants to be able to ask the questions and get the answers. Now, if the questions dig deep enough, there's going to be exactly what we all thought it would be. Pain, suffering, death, bloodshed, um, evil, there, it's just the list goes on and on. It was basically uh, as the, the definition of a genocide here in, in our time now, it meets the requirements 10 times over. It was a genocide in California, and there's nothing we can do. I know that God has preserved my family being from Northern California going through the 1850s, I know that it was miraculous that my family survived. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for God allowing my family to be here is the reason why I'm doing this. So I want to be able to make these few statements that I, uh, that I feel that is on my heart that I want you to know that I'm, I, I'm still Pastor Frank I am not jumping on a bandwagon of some sort. I'm still preaching the gospel, but I'm taking my time. In order to do that, we have to open up some of these aspects of history in order to be able to dialogue and talk about it. Now, the next uh, episode in this ser series is about the friars, uh, the Franciscan friars and the mission system. Uh, this also is, uh, okay, so I'm not going to be exhaustive in any of this, but what I want to do is to be able to get you to a place, 
give you terminology, give you terms, give you uh, places, uh, give you people's names so that you can do this uh, study and this investigation on your own. Fact check me. I am asking you to fact check everything that I say. This way, you can become your own scholar. Now, I'm not giving anybody in any way, shape or form fuel to, to hate more or fuel to be able to uh, be a victim anymore or a fuel to be uh, to hate the perpetrators. That's not what this is. Uh, this uh, uh, episodes are about. What this is about is about healing. It's about forgiveness. It's about moving forward. And the only way to do that is to talk about it. Now, in some way, I may be act, being an activist for natives on the Christian part, but I do have relatives and I have uh, brothers in the Lord and even brothers by blood, native, that don't agree with me. But I'm not going to leave things out. I'm going to say the painful things and I'm going to say the good things. I'm going to question the good things on the part of Eurocentric, uh, the, settled, the, the settled ideas of European history in California. I'm questioning all of that. And nobody's going to get a pass from me. The people I bring up, I'm going to analyze them against the word of God. And if it's the church, the mission system, and if it's Spain, believe me, I'm not going to let it pass. So this is the intro uh, to this. I'm not going to cover everything, but I'm going to name a few things. So that way you can get an idea what the next episode will be about. But I did want to make those statements and to let you know, this is where I stand as a pastor. Now, since this is going to be just an intro, I'm going to only cover just a few things. And this, it'll give you time to look into what I'm going to talk about and you'll be ready. And I don't know if I'm going to do this to every uh, podcast video that I do. But definitely I'm going to do it to a few of these, specifically the ones that I think that are highly questionable for some people and others they want, they're really interested into knowing in which way they could study. Okay. So the very first thing I want to start with is the earliest, uh, in, in back in time. Now I know that California, uh, in this, for the Spanish anyway, um, were, it was right around, okay. So 1492 is when the, the, pre-Columbian or the, the actual Colombian time clock begins. And then forward, of course, in the 1500s is when you start to get more people uh, like uh, the Spanish and the Portuguese. Uh, they caught wind of the new the new world. And now since it didn't belong to anybody, and okay, that's another issue, uh, there, there is, there was a free-for-all type of behavior and mindset where any land uh, that they set foot on or put something on or build something on or put a flag on, it's automatically theirs for their country. We'll get into that later. Okay, so, um, but I want to go back to the history of the people, and I'll be nice, to the people before they came, before pre-Columbian, the people that actually, uh, in their own dealings in their own country and in their own mindset and the way they viewed uh, the church, the way, the way they view God, morals, and such, and how they managed uh, these things because uh, the church had a lot of uh, control of the people by way of religion, and that's the truth. And not to say that um, that 
it does not, that's not prevalent in the Native American community with uh, traditionalists because there are traditional ways of Native Americans, Indians that, that they have, they're just as staunch as, as Catholics in their own way and what they believe. So this is something that man has the, the ability to do. So I'm not trying to say one or the other, but I will say that the way that the um, in the Catholic uh, Church with Spain and Portugal, you have there there are just some uh, high similarities in these types of things. Now, one of the things I want to be able to cover is the Inquisition. Now, I'm not talking about the Spanish Inquisition. Because that's not the only Inquisition there is. There's Inquisitions that go back even further, 12th and 13th century. Okay, now um, there is what they call the medieval Inquisition, the Episcopal Inquisition, and then the Papal Inquisition. Remember, I'm only giving you terms. I'm going to go into this in the next episode. These date all the way back uh, to... um, like I said, the uh, uh, the 12th century, or I'm sorry, yeah, the 12th century, which is um, 1100s, and then the 13th century, the 1200s, okay? So this predates, okay, the mission system in California. It predates a lot of things, okay? So within their own group of people, in order to avoid uh, apostasy, in order to avoid... Uh, people uh, leaving the faith or people uh, trying to start something new. Uh, these inquisitions were to keep orthodoxy, okay? In one article I read, it, it was to keep from people being uh, uh, killed um, for mob from mob violence and why mob violence even, why that even had control over the um, the law and anything else within a country is beyond me. And I'm not saying mob violence is is right, okay, but it's what would rule the day. It's the same in the time in the South where there was mob violence against African Americans when they used to hang them. So the, the local law, um, one sheriff, two sheriff, or even a sheriff of a department of like three or four people cannot stop, you know, 200 people wanting to lynch one person. So mob violence is extremely... Um, it is it is not democracy it is is anti it is basically chaotic and anarchy is what it is so and but you have the people who make up their mind and they do this and there's really nothing nobody can do because there's not enough people this is why they have the national guard to to do this because even during the south uh in the in the 19 um 50s and 60s they had to bring in they had to bring that in because mob violence was was something that happened regularly Okay, so mob violence ruled here. And so in order to introducing this uh, inquisition system, what ends up happening is, is that people will say, you know, hey, this one person, whether it's true or not, they will say, this is what I think. And that's one way you can get somebody killed. So in order to be able to stop that, they had a inquisition, which basically tries them with a trial to ask them questions, to hear them out, hear what they have to say. And if it is what they're charged with, then yes, then they're going to punish them according to the laws they had back at that time. Now, this is something they did under the church. The church had power over the political aspect of this country. Okay, this is how it ran. This is the power of the church at that time. Now, 
We'll get into that as we go into the next uh, podcast. Like I said, this is just an intro. So I want to be able to prove that these inquisitions predated California uh, mission system and the friars that came there. Now, there is another uh, aspect of, uh, and, and I don't know if you even heard of this, but there's another aspect of the of the Catholic Church in that involves a lot of this. Now, um, this was uh, um, 1252. In the year 1252, Pope Innocent IV, okay, it says that um, this is where the papal bull, okay. Now, I, I don't know if you've ever heard of that term. But it's P A P A L bull B U L L papal bull. Um, it says uh, which authorized and limit and limited the defined circumstances to use of torture by the Inquisition as a tool for interrogation. So I'm just bringing that out just so that you know that um, how far this went. Okay, and then you know this is something we have to dialogue. These are things and how they dealt with their own people when it came to either restoring orthodoxy, keeping orthodoxy, or keeping something, or, or be preventing uh, anything to corrupt the, orth- the orthodoxy of the Catholic Church. Now, the ones that were put in charge of the uh, Inquisition uh, were the, uh, the Jesuit and the Franciscans. Okay, now look up the Jesuits, look up the Franciscans. That's an order of friars, okay? Pretty much the um, the clergy of the Catholic Church, um, pretty much the ones who gets their hands dirty, okay? And the way that they had to live, the way the church um, wanted them to live in order to be able, maybe they gained something from that. Um, this tradition still to this day, when it comes to missions work in some churches say that you should live abased and you should live, you know, uh, like a beggar in order to be able to know that, that this is where, you know, you're, you're to basically push these uh, worldly things away and only concentrate on your mission, which is to, to bring people into the ark of safety. Now, this is extremely important to understand that there is ways to take this overboard and a way to take it with wisdom and knowledge. Now, um, these two orders, uh, and I'm pointing this out, were in charge of the Inquisitions. Now, prior to the, the friars and the mission system in California, like I said, it goes all the way back to the 11th and 12th century. So these inquisitions were something that weren't foreign to the Jesuits and the Franciscans. This is, and anybody who says so is lying, okay? They were all, all of them were, were all aware of, of, of this, okay? Because it's part of the, 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 the overall history of the, of the Catholic Church at that time, okay? So, uh, uh, the Franciscan uh, Inquisitor's manual, okay, and its compositional context, okay, and I don't know how to pronounce this correctly, so I have a little translation here, and let's hear it in Spanish. Casanatensis. So this is called 
a Franciscan Inquisitor's Manual and its Compositional Context Codex Casanatensis, 1730. Now, why this is important, okay, is because the mission system didn't start till after 1740. Now, as we went through Cabrillo, okay, he is the one who landed in Sandy, what is now San Diego Bay and then the Catalina Islands, okay? And I, I went through that. If you want to know, go back to that, uh, spe- that particular uh, episode and hear about that, and, and you can kind of understand um, certain beginnings. And I've only laid that down as a template so that you can kind of look at this in a different light, uh, a light of truth, uh, and not not covered up. But it is not a in-depth, but definitely um, just topical, just on the surface. Because I want to be able to get to where I need to get in these podcasts. So the Franciscans knew about this. 1730, 1740, 1750, 1770, 1780. Okay, they all knew this. So from the time that this compositional context was finished in 1730, 50 years goes by, and it's 1780. Okay, now, if you want to study um, ahead of me, that'd be perfect. I would like you to do that. And I want you to take a look at what is going on in the 1700s prior to the 1800s when it comes to California at the time called Alta California as a part of New Spain. Um, Like I said, I'm only giving you terminology and I'm only giving you uh, things to study. Now this manual, this uh, Inquisitor's Manual, uh, everybody everybody knew about it. Everybody, uh, the, the friars are well aware of it. It is. It was like the manual in order to be able to spot uh, something that is uh, trying to destroy orthodoxy, trying to overwrite orthodoxy, undermine orthodoxy. It was something that it was within their own order, with their own people, okay? And they used torture. This told them how to do it. If you could find a copy on the internet, it's very long, it's big, but you know what? It's worth looking into. Okay, everybody knew about this. All the friars, all the the Jesuits and the Franciscan friars knew about this. Okay, this, to me, if I was Catholic, I would think this would be a black eye. Just as Jimmy Baker uh, was a black eye to to Christianity in in the United States in the the 80s. The the scandal um, that happened to many, um, you know, televangelists at that time. Uh, but that doesn't represent the whole of Christianity. It doesn't represent the, the Christianity as in the whole as 1980s. It doesn't, but it's one. Okay, this, that's, I would imagine that this is a black eye for them because they don't, this isn't uh, something that they use now. Okay, but it's something that they did at the time. Now, let's move forward. So Spanish colonization 
In Alta California, between 1683 and 1834, Jesuits and Franciscan missionaries established a series of religious outposts from today's Baja California and Baja California Sur in, into present-day California. The Cortes Legislature of New Spain issued a decree in 1813 for at least partial secularization that affected all missions in America and was to apply to all outposts that had operated for 10 years or more. However, the decree was never enforced in California. So I want you to understand that 1680 uh, to 1834, okay, the Jesuits and the Franciscans, okay, established a series of religion, religious outposts. Now, this is real history. I'm not making this up. Okay? Now, I watched a documentary on a, uh, a friar named Junipero Serra. I've read article after article on, on the net and watched documentaries. The one I think that shook me was the one that was for him, not against him. And what people did to his statue in this, in, in, in within the art, you know, maybe in the last few years, let's just say the last five years, what people were doing uh, to uh, statues of, of history that were in, in places of remembrance, uh, memorials for them, as we are all used to that. But because of the political climate, there have been things that have happened to statues that I think that were unnecessary. Regardless of what they stood for, to me, I would rather see a statue to remind me and my children and my great-grandchildren to know what happened here by a statue of, of something or somebody. Because when you forget your past, you won't know how to deal with the future. And that's exactly why I would prefer them to be up, whether no matter how painful they were. And you could see the progress that we've made. So Junipero Serra, okay, was a, a a friar, a Franciscan friar, okay. And I will say, given what all the things that I've watched, all the things that I've read, I will say, based on the things that I have seen written and things that he has written, and based on what he has done, okay, I believe probably 50% of it. The 50 that I do believe in, okay, he seems like a good guy. He seems like that he is was for the native, the native, uh, the California Native American Indian. It seemed like he was. The other 50, okay, is because he has nothing, there's no fault. I don't re, have not read not one fault he has had. That's impossible. One of the things that I've seen, maybe you can label as a fault on him, is that he never did anything when the Spanish soldiers came and uh, either killed the natives. Um, the way he protested against it because he wasn't a soldier was that he walked. He walked from 
Alta California, all the way to to the to see the the viceroy or the 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 person that was in charge in in New Spain or Mexico. He did that uh, as a protest to walk all the way there, and then he had a bad leg on top of it. So I will say that based on what I know about this guy, okay, he was he's canonized as a saint, and I'm not trying any way, shape, or form. What I will say. Uh, when it comes to uh, Junipero Cerro, Acera, is that he definitely um, shows me that the 50% that I think he's a good guy and believe is that he had uh, the, the, the non-violent, like a non-violent attitude like uh, Gandhi and like uh, Martin Luther King. They, they, he protested in a non-violent way. Okay, so this is one thing that I will say that I have not heard from any other friar, specifically a Jesuit or a Franciscan friar. I will give the Catholic Church Junipero Serra. I will give you him. Okay, but that's only one. And I know that he has helped establish other missions and and but that is that does his who he is does not at all answer any of the questions that have native american california native american indian testimony does not match what these guys are talking about what the catholic church or anyone else is talking about junipero serra is why I only give him 50% of what they talk about him for. Because of what was happening to the rest of the history of the, of the Franciscan order of these missions throughout California and what the, the testimony of Native Americans, which are basically, if you think about it, were nullified. Why? It's because they're Indians. They didn't know how to read or write. So what they had to do was is tell the oral history of it. It's what they had. So for me, I'm understanding that the only valid testimony is of the Spanish or Portuguese or English at the time and that the reason why the natives, the California Native Indian were uprising against these men and the church and trying to burn it down and and the missions and all that kind of stuff. That was, what was that? That was just, you know, they were, they were just unruly people. So there's a lot of questions. Why, why was there uprisings? Why did people get killed? Why did natives get killed? There was so much, there's so much to know here, but there's, like I said, read between the lines. There's just the, the, all these good things that they say about these friars and about their Franciscan order and about the California mission system. You, you really have to read between the lines. This is the glossing over. Okay. Of, for natives that, that does not draw them to Christ. Being uh, evasive 
to answer the questions being evasive to, because this is what happens when you start admitting that you're wrong. Reparations. Oh, that's just a sad history of California. Okay, so I want uh, Rocky Road ice cream. You know, so no, it's just it's just side talk. It's a it's a it's conversation talk. It's not something that is considered, uh, uh, you know, worthy of of a political legal. Uh, there are some who've done that, you know, but on what on who, on what paper? What who said what? What transcripts? You know, do you have documents? Legal legal documents? What, all that doesn't exist. There's so much to know. Believe me, I have went through the answers for this over and over and over in my heart and in my mind. I'm not just sitting here saying that everybody on this side was sinful and the natives were pure. No, I'm not saying that either. I'm not saying that at all. We'll get there. These people have dirty laundry and so do Native Americans. They have dirty laundry too. But we'll get there. So this is just an intro, okay? Just an intro to the next uh, milestone of this as a Christian Native American. This is Pastor Frank at First Discipleship. God bless.